1 John chapter 2, verse 15 reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hello, and welcome to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I'm Bryce, one of the pastor elders of Faith Bible Church. Today I have with me someone who's been a friend a long time, a long number of years. I don't know exactly how many years, at least back to college. I yeah. guess. Is that right? Probably 10. Yeah. yeah, probably 10 years. So this is Jimmy Snep. Jimmy, thank you for being on here with us. No problem. And probably most of you know Jimmy, so I don't know what kind of description I need to give you. Jimmy is a handsome young man, sits up toward the front during our sermons, and has served in so many ways it would be hard actually to mention all of them. But personally, Jimmy, I've just been grateful for you in my life. Like very, 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 very much. Uh, one of the things our small group does is when someone has a birthday, we humiliate them by all talking about things we appreciate. And Jimmy's was not that long ago, so we got to talk a little bit about him and his wife, Olivia. Well, Jimmy, we have you on here talking about uh, one of the more difficult podcasts, but your intelligence is up to it. Because today we're talking about a book that was written in the 1800s by Thomas Chalmers. It's called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. We're talking about it because this quarter is focused on personal holiness. And this is a work that I know I've heard referenced all the time. I had never read it until several months ago, but heard referenced all the time when it came to personal holiness. So I thought, we're doing a podcast on John Owen's Mortification of Sin. Let's do it on this. But once I read it, I went, oh no. This is actually a rather difficult book. <laughs> Who is going to do this? Short, I had... but... <laughs> short but difficult. Yeah, short but difficult. So before we dive into this, uh, just in case anybody doesn't know, I thought maybe you could give us a real brief background of how you came to know Christ and then how you ended up here at Faith Bible. Yeah, the answer is kind of one and the same. So uh, I grew up going to church and thought I was a good person and believed in Jesus, but it was kind of both. It was um, what I did, um, what I brought to the table before God, and also what Jesus did. And it wasn't until college and being exposed to campus outreach at USI uh, that um, a guy named Andrew shared the gospel with me. And as I was wrestling through that, he brought me to Faith Bible and Faith Bible was going through Romans 1 and 2, and it rocked my world. And um, I came to Christ shortly after that, and I've uh, been here ever since, about 12 years ago. So. Very neat. The other day I was preaching, and the illustration, even from the text, had to do with farming. And you know I thought about you the whole sermon. <laughs> I don't have a... I don't have any farming uh, acumen, so... But a farming background. Yeah, Grew up in a it. family of farmers, and that has stood out to me, your intense work ethic from that background. And we are grateful for Andrew Ling, who led you and many others to the Lord, too. Well, coming from a background of farmers with an intense work ethic and yet a brilliant mind, able to comprehend a very difficult book, you have all these gifts, Jimmy. So we are grateful that you're here with us. You must be desperate. <laughs> <laughs> we did have somebody else who was going to do this, and it fell through. So take that for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you were you were number two, though. You were second on the list. Oh. Sure, that's a compliment. That so. is. It's, it's basically a compliment. Well, 
like I said, this book is a challenging read. I hope that doesn't discourage anyone from reading it. Um, it is also very short. It's less than 100 pages. It's actually just a sermon that came out in 1819. If you're interested in reading this book, you can Google the expulsive power of a new affection and you'll find it. I mean, it's in the public domain. The edition that I have on my Kindle is the same as the physical edition that Jimmy has sitting mm -hmm. on the desk here. It's a real small book. It's from Crossway 2020. It's part of their Crossway short classic series. It's really well made, has a nice little preface and everything like that. So if you're looking to read the book, that would probably be the one you want to get a hold of. It was written by Thomas Chalmers, who is not well known today, but in his own day, in Scotland at least, was rather famous as a geologist, a professor, a preacher. He was involved in uh, ecclesiastical affairs. I think he was probably involved in government. He did everything, as people tended to do back then. And the little preface in the book edition that Jimmy and I have, the person talks about his blood earnestness. He had such an influence on people because of his blood earnestness, his zeal, his energy, and everything he did. And that certainly comes through in this book. So that's just a little background where this book comes from. It's Thomas Chalmers, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I want to get our conversation about the book started here and how it relates to personal holiness by just reading the first paragraph and a half of the book where he basically sets out this is what the whole book is going to be about and then we're going to have Jimmy translate it because it can be a little challenging so here it is here's the very beginning of the book there are two ways in which a practical moralist may attempt to displace from the human heart its love of the world either by a demonstration of the world's vanity so as that the heart shall be prevailed upon simply to withdraw its regards from an object that is not worthy of it, or by setting forth another object, even God, as more worthy of its attachment, so as that the heart shall be prevailed upon not to resign an old affection, which shall have nothing to succeed it, but to exchange an old affection for a new one. My purpose is to show that from the constitution of our nature, the former method of just pointing out how bad sin is so you don't do it, the former method is altogether incompetent and ineffectual, and that the latter method of focusing on love for God will alone suffice for the rescue and recovery of the heart from the wrong affection that domineers over it. So that is some complicated syntax and some heavy thinking there. So I thought we'd just get started by asking you, Jimmy, if you could translate that a little bit for us. I will try. Um, I think his illustration of what is the best way to get air out of a cup or a beaker um, very scientific in nature is to fill it with water. And I think that what he's just saying there is that the only way for you to grow in holiness is to have the beauty of Christ before you rather than to paint a picture of sin being terrible as it is, which is in all reality the truth, but that's not enough. Um, not enough to 
cause you to walk in holiness uh, and joy. Um, so you can't have joy and holiness together without um, an affection for God that's domineering that rather than um, paying a picture that uh, sin is evil and harmful and uh, disgusting before God, which is true, but also not sufficient. Well said. It almost reminds me of um, if you're married and your spouse tells you they're worried about something, like they're really struggling with worry or anxiety. And as a husband, let's say you come and say, well, I know the solution, you know, just stop doing that. You know, you don't want to be worried, do you? Like it, it's not good to be worried. See how it's affecting your health and see how it's not helping you accomplish any. And you could point that out all day, but I've not yet found a wife who appreciates that, <laughs> you know, just the negative approach. And so in this book, he's arguing, well, that may all be true just in terms of how we're wired. That's not usually the most helpful, but instead a positive approach. I did want to ask about that. You know, he says here from the constitution of our nature, that negative approach doesn't work all by itself. Do you have any reasons in your mind why that might be? Why do you think the merely negative approach to growing in holiness just doesn't work? So the constitution of our nature, um, I, I think what he's referring to is the heart. And so the heart is deceptful and it is corrupt and it twists things. So even when you do see the truth, we want to suppress the truth. So whether that's um, we're dealing with sin or we're, um, habitual sin that we are trying to fight against, um, our heart is deceiving us all the time. So I think it's just like when you try to take air out of that, out of that cup, um, it's going to fill back quickly. It can't stand being empty. So a heart can't just be empty. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be in love with something. Mm-hmm. I didn't put this in the notes, but it almost reminds me of the parable Jesus told about a house where a demon is cast out of a person. And if he comes back and finds it swept and cleaned up like a tidied up house, then he'll go and find seven demons worse than himself and stay there. And I think he was comparing his generation to that. But in a sense, that's just a negative approach. If you just get the demon out, if you just get the sin out. But like you said, like the beaker if you haven't replaced it with anything, then it's not going to be lasting. It's not going to work long term. Yeah, your heart, your heart's not made to be empty. Mm. So it's going to be filled by something. It's very John Piper, but also very Bible of us. I mean, absolutely true. I wanted to ask just an open-ended question here, because again, the book maybe runs to some 70 pages, so there's a lot we could talk about. But I just thought, Jimmy, is there anything in this sermon that has been especially helpful for you in your own growth and holiness? Yeah, I, I've just thought about that a lot um, as our quarterly focus has been holiness. And, and I've been thinking about how to deal with sins that feel um, enticing and feel like they have a grip on me. And what is the best way to take care of that? What's the best way to deal with that? And um, I've thought a lot about whenever I feel a supreme affection towards God, how much simpler it feels is it feels like holiness is just a natural overflow of that. When my affections are in order, uh, it doesn't feel as hard and following his commandments don't feel burdensome. Almost like when you 
fell deeply, deeply in love with Olivia. <laughs> that is a comparison, and not that we stay in that infatuated state forever, but it is amazing the things that you will do in such a state that if you were not in love with someone, you would never do. I considered giving plasma just that one time in my life to pay for a ring, you know, with Michaela. But people will drive for hours. Guys will. I was just talking with a friend. I won't give the dollar amount, but he hadn't been dating for a while and went on a first date and it went well. But he just shared how much money he spent on that first date. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't fault him for it, you know, because he's in love. And there's a sense in which there's a similar dynamic here, like you're saying things that would be so hard like fighting sins but if there's a strong affection for christ that comes into the heart it does make those things a lot easier no. this isn't in the notes so this is pop quiz question for you jimmy so let's say someone agrees with you on this and with chalmers and the bible and they agree that a positive approach is the way to go like okay affection for christ is the way to go and they're trying to fight their sin, and it, right now it feels mainly negative, like they're just laboring against it so hard. But they're not feeling that strong affection toward God or Christ. What's your counsel for someone in that position? Yeah, and man, I, I think that it's really simple, but it's easy to forget is just that that's how the gospel works, is that you can't bring that new affection and so even when you're feeling that affection uh, towards God, a real holy affection, it's not from you, which is really encouraging um, when, when you're discouraged because it's not something that you have to work up. It's not something that means that you're a second-rate Christian. It, it just means that like you need the Holy Spirit's help and you need to pray um, for the Holy Spirit to grant that. And you still do the work, but you're waiting for God to light it on fire to, to strike the match. That's well said, because if we took a merely negative approach, and let's say you succeeded, you know, so here's someone, they're looking at pornography, and their whole approach to fighting that is just grit, which is good. I mean, grit's good. We've talked about it. But that's their whole approach. There's nothing else. So it's just mere force of will, and they don't do it. In that case, that's very good. Praise God for that. But I will say that the positive approach together with that uh, does put more emphasis on the glory of God because it's recognizing this is, at the end of the day, not mainly about me stopping look at pornography. This is mainly about God who deserves to be enjoyed so much that I say no to pornography because it's in competition with him. And that does emphasize the glory of God, to your point there. Well, I wanted to read a couple lines that actually come now from near the end of this book. Chalmers says, And we trust that what has been said may serve in some degree for the practical guidance of those who would like to reach the great moral achievement of our text, but feel that the tendencies and desires of nature are too strong for them. It's likely that somebody listening to this podcast has been fighting some particular sin for such a long time that it's hard to imagine ever defeating that sin. Temptation might seem too strong at this point. So what hope does this sermon offer for someone in that position? 
So you're going to uh, someone who has the power to do something about it, um, whether it's you're coming to Christ through the gospel or you're trying to find the power through the Holy Spirit is strong enough to overcome that for one. But he uses the illustration of you cannot convince someone to burn down their house unless they're highly convinced that they're going to receive tenfold for it. So there is an affection there, um, the sin that has gripped me. Um, there's a love for it there, and there's an affection there from me. And so there has to be a greater affection, which God is very capable of. Absolutely. Well, someone listening to this podcast in the past may have been taking just the negative approach, grit all by itself. And if so, probably they are feeling rather discouraged. Or maybe in their fight against sin, you listening, perhaps you haven't even thought about affection or love for God as a part of your fight against sin. Well, whatever it may have been in the past, may God help us all now by His grace to think this way. Mm-hmm.